Today's episode of the NBA show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. The moment we've all been waiting for is about to arrive. The official start of the NBA season. This offseason was filled with a lot of big changes and fresh starts. For the fresh starts in your life, talk to a State Farm agent. So when it comes to insurance, you don't have to go at it alone. There's going to be a lot of fresh starts this year. We're going to be talking about DeJounte Murray. We're going to be talking about Michael Porter, two guys that are going to have fresh starts this year. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you prepare for the big changes in your life. State Farm. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon and joining me as he does every Friday now from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Conflict, a.k.a. Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Opinionated, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Croissant, Kevin! Verno, what's going on tonight? How are you doing? You have a good day over in Memphis? Everything's good. Uh, the season is right around the corner and we woke up to big news this morning. Uh, because it was very early that Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN broke the news that Brad Beal had signed an extension with the Washington Wizards. I was shocked. Were you? Uh, yeah, I was quite surprised. Uh, I think with Bradley Beal, you look at, you know, if you're Beal and you are on the Washington Wizards bench and you look down, you just see Mo Wagner picking his nose. You see John Wall... <laughs> Wearing street clothes, recovering from his injury. Then you look at the court, and it's just a bunch of guys that, you know, are going to be on who he played for this year on TNT, and Charles Barkley's not going to be able to get the answer. And then you look around the league, and you're like, wow, everybody would love to have me. I'm surprised in that sense. I'm not surprised in the sense that Beal, everything I've heard, is a loyal guy, that he's tight with John Wall now, that he, you know, wants to see this through with Washington. But, I mean, I think for him, it's pretty clear what's happening here. His contract aligns with John Walls. It goes through the 2022-23 season. And so now Washington has an additional two years to try to get this thing rolling in a positive way. Yeah, two years, $72 million, uh, was the max extension for Bradley Beal. And so I guess he is going to see it through. I mean, there, well, there's other, listen, it doesn't make him less tradable. No, right? it doesn't. Not it do- at all. No, it doesn't no. make him less if tradable. Anything, it because- makes him more tradable. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't make him less tradable. But I do think that, you know, there is the commitment that he made. They sold him on this in Washington. And I think that's what was surprising to me, that he was sold on staying in Washington and playing there. Because um, I just didn't see necessarily him I just didn't see him making that commitment that I thought that this was going to be something that hung out there throughout the year and I think that that was probably well I mean you know it was a big selling point for them like do you want to talk about this the entire season or sure do you want do you want to just go lock this down and we can you know we can start playing basketball this year and this can go away and that's the Um, buddy healed situation now where he's just constantly talking about it Okay, well, that, I mean, that, that's a whole different thing, but no, let's move to that. That yeah. is insane. I broached yeah. this topic um, on the Tuesday pod, but Kevin, this is insanity. <laughs> it's pretty you know? wild, man. <laughs> no, it really is. Look, that that team. If you are building a team, 
and you have a dynamic point guard who is still getting better and better and better in De'Aaron Fox. And then you have Marvin Bagley, who you just drafted number two overall in the NBA draft a year ago. You just said before we recorded, it's going to be MVP this year. (laughs) The sophomore MVP. So so he, I, I do think that he's going to be a star. Like the best thing you can have is the ultimate floor spacer. And that's exactly what you have in Buddy Heald. And the money, it's like you are infuriating this guy, clearly, over five million bucks. And you went out in the offseason and spent money on Trevor Ariza. And you, you, you gave the new contract to Harrison Barnes. And you signed Dwayne Dedman. And you signed Corey Joseph. And you signed Rashawn Holmes. And you, like, you had money for all this. But now you don't have you know, the extra, not that much for Buddy Heald. And now he's already mad before the season starts if this doesn't get done. Oh, and by the way, you just signed Bogdanovich like two days ago, right? So you've got all these guys that they spent money on and Buddy's the one without the deal. And, you know, they're already, he's already talking about, you know, wanting to get traded somewhere if they don't get something worked out. So he's obviously been super hurt by all of this. Um, Right or wrong, that's the truth. He has been hurt. This has bothered him a great deal. And just basketball-wise, it makes absolutely no sense to me. You know, one of my tenants has been, you could talk to me about overpaying, but overpaying good players is not my problem. Like, I don't, if you slightly overpay for somebody that's really good, that's much less of a problem than overpaying for people that don't impact winning at all. Well, that, that, was and, one of, that was one of Daryl Morey's points at the, the Vegas yes. podcast that he did with Bill that wasn't released where he said you can't overpay for good players. You can't. And Buddy Heald is freaking good. And he's about to enter, you know, what? age? I know his age got older last year. <laughs> you know, We added a year to, without to, to forty-one. adding a he's, year. He's 41. Still, he turns 41 in December. Stop. But we're, we're talking what? The next five years is ages 26, 27 through 31, 32. I mean, those are great years to have a guy, especially a guy that's a shooter. That's what he is. I just, yeah. I don't understand yeah. it. it he, he's only he, 26. He's entering his prime right now. He turns 27 right. in December, not 41 for what it's worth. <laughs> but and so, he turns and yeah. 27. He's still super young. Yes. And if you're talking about like, oh, well, he's not worth that, right? Like, again. Let's talk about the guys that suck that yeah, aren't worth what well, they get paid, not the guys that are good. I mean, so we hit this on on Tuesday, I think, but the, what he said after the game pretty much, I mean, he just bashed the the Kings' success in free agency this whole century when he said, name one big free agent who's come to Sacramento. He's, he sounds like a hater on Twitter saying that to the media. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, well, but it's look, just kind of, it's, it's just an interesting approach. I, I This level of transparency and honesty from a player is both sort of nice, but also a bit like, chill out, man. I mean, <laughs> relax I just here. Think it, handle handle think, this mind closed well, doors in some ways. Yeah, he's, he's pissed. pissed. He, he looks around and he sees what? Like, how, how, everybody in this... Everybody in this locker room got paid. How would you? And I busted uh, my ass. I, I'm curious. How would you feel three years from now, Jaron Jackson does this in Memphis? How would you feel if this happened? Absolutely furious, but I will tell you. Furious about, one, about what? About about the team not just handing him money? Let, let's say he's in healed exact yes. position. But no, yes. let's say he's not an obvious max player. 
I, he's exactly right. in Hale's position. How would you feel if he's like just trashing the organization, saying he feels disrespected? Would you at all? Would any part of you think I would be mad like, at the organization? Okay, so you'd be okay. And and, and, okay. and it, well, and here's what I'll tell you. And and this is what part of the Memphis success for some years was built upon. Kevin is everybody always got taken care of. Everybody, and they were overpays at the time. Everybody thought they were overpays. Right. So if it was Zach Randolph signed multiple contracts, Mike Conley and Marcus all both signed multiple contracts. Uh, even you go all the way back, they signed Rudy Gay to a max deal. And the point was, and I did, and this is this is actually actually a great topic because at that time I thought you should just let him walk. Right. Now they never got into like contentious or it never got into well, what he wanted versus what they were willing to give. None of that ever happened. But I thought this guy is not worth max money. You're going to hamstring the organization if you pay somebody like Rudy max money who can't carry the load. And you're and and the point was made to me at the time, and I've never forgotten this. It was if you pay them, if you pay a guy like Rudy, even if it's an overpay. Rudy Gay is really good and root and he's always tradable. So if it doesn't work and it does start to hamstring the organization, then guess what? You can move off of it. Which coincidentally, they did. They did. And they were proven right. You can trade. But it is always better to take care of your guys. And I think it is paramount in a small market to take care of your guys. I would tell you that that is part of the reason for the elongated success that they had making the playoffs, you know, for seven straight years was because they always took care of their guys. And I think you realize in a small market, you don't want to be the one that it, because it's hard to get them. If you're not going to get them in the draft, you're not going to be a big player in free agency. Buddy Heald is dead on right. And, you know, I can't believe they pissed him off this much. You know, is he, is he at all? Okay. It's my, my, this is not anything that I've heard. It's just my sense from just reading the situation from the outside has to be the fact that this got to be him and his circle, like his agent, trying to create some leverage here. Has to be, right? I mean, I don't think you go this far publicly in front of the media with microphones sticking in your face and say the things that you said this week, trash, essentially saying the Kings have never signed a big free agent, saying that you feel disrespected. And that you'll go somewhere else, find a new home if you're not if the Kings don't want you. T- to me, it seems to at least suggest that they don't have leverage to get the money that they want, which would turn this into a prove it year where he would enter free agency next I summer. I think that's true. I think that's true. Obviously, the Kings have the leverage because I mean he's a restricted course, free yeah, agent of course anyway, they do. right? And they don't have they to pay him right now. They don't but, have to. But but again, it makes no sense to piss him off. None. They didn't have to yeah. pay Bogdan Bogdanovich either. Yeah, but he also and they he sure also, as hell didn't have to pay Harrison Barnes and Trevor Ariza and everybody else under yeah, well, the sun. You know, and that's <laughs> and that's where I'm with you in the sense that it's like, yeah, they made some other other moves, especially the Harrison Barnes one. But the point is, is that it, this is what contract negotiations are in any industry. It's about leverage. It's about having an opportunity and using that opportunity and leveraging it against your employer. And right now, and right now, and right now, Buddy Heel does not have that leverage. I, I get it, but you've pissed him off. That's yeah, the problem. I mean, you did. You did. You, you, know, you pissed him off, but then you have. Then, then next July, 
maybe he's cooled off by then and he, he's happy to sign on the dotted line after a Hell very... Hell no. At, they at, have, yeah, maybe, if maybe. they don't sign him by tomorrow, this is but he's, look, but, but he's an emotional guy. He always has been. And you, if you're the Kings, you know him just as well as anybody else in the league can. So you got to assess the situation here and think to yourself, is Buddy going to be the type of guy who holds on to this for the long run? Or is he going to be the type of guy who he's he's overreacting now as part of some theater to create leverage and that come July, when you get to give him the money, you'll be you'll happily do it then. And it all will be forgotten. And in the next no, three or four look, years, it'll all be great and glorious well, and you'll make playoff What runs. have we learned though, Kevin? The guy that wants the trade, the guy that asks out, and if they don't get that deal done, you better believe his agent and him are going to talk about wanting to be out of there, right? They usually get their way. Because you just don't want it in the locker room. You don't want a guy that's all right. He's he he's not all he's not going to be all in. What, the, what you if know that's the galaxy brain themselves. move here? What if that's what he actually wants? What? Out. No, I think he wanted the money, and he didn't. <laughs> and they're not giving it to well, him. Yeah, and I they know, gave yeah. twenty five okay. million dollars to Harrison well, Barnes, well, and he looks up and goes, "I'm better than this well, guy." Well, when we record Tuesday, we'll know. And you know what I mean? He yeah. is better than Harrison Barnes. He yeah. is. Next Tuesday, so, we'll know because the deadline's Monday. But I promise you, that's the thing that happens. You don't want that guy in that locker room anymore. If he don't want to be there, they would find a deal, and you could get well, a ransom well, for him. Get, get over it. I mean, like seriously, if you're not—that's part of that's what the league is right now. You're a restricted free agent, and if you don't get your money now, you get to prove it over the course of the year, just like any other player does. He's, you're, he's not entitled to get a max contract right now. He's not a max level player. And ultimately, I think right now it's a big overreaction. I think for Buddy Heal, he is right to feel slighted. He is right to feel like he's a max player because, as he said, every player should be trying and working hard and trying to become that max level player. But right now, the Kings don't feel like he is. I don't feel like he is. A heck of a lot of people. Well, don't feel he like didn't he even is. ask so he for the full max. He didn't even ask for the full max. Well, he asked for the full max, but he's willing to take a little bit less than the full max. Yeah. We're gonna know next time we record, and it's just gonna be it's gonna be weird if going into no, the season if he's not signed. Uh, uh, all right, uh, Buddy probably could have handled this better. The point is, the Kings are stupid. How do you how do you screw that up? You've got the point guard, the shooter, we'll and see. the big. I, I, I don't I don't agree. I, I tend this to, should be easy to build no, around. It, it's not give me those three guys. If he, and I could build a real team, man, for a long time you're, with you're, those three. You make the strong point that they made some other signings like Harrison Barnes that they shouldn't have made. They are you know they've extended other guys. They have some veterans, twelve million, thirteen million signed for multiple years. You're right about that. But they have that. That's their circumstances. And so the point is what I'm making here is for Sacramento, yes, you want to keep Buddy healed. But right now, do you want to give him that money before his season when, like, you don't know if he could suffer a major injury? For you as the Kings, it also makes sense to wait until July because you already have so much financial commitment to other players. You don't want to really hamstring yourself by giving the money to a guy who, he could get hurt. I mean, it could just happen. Somebody else could get hurt. And then that money is what's weighing you down. So you need to retain your flexibility if you're the Kings. And I think right now, if there's a, there's a number where you're comfortable, but then there's a place where you're not, and that's the max or close to it. I would wait. I, I, think, it, I think it is insane that they are not signing him and that that is not part of their core, that they don't look at their core as Fox healed and Bagley. It can be both. And then can, and then build around and then build around that. It won't be. It yeah, won't be. Okay. Well, well, and no, I remember well, I look forward to Tuesday. 
I remember when Bobby Bobby Marks tweeted this early this morning. While talking to teams uh, regarding the philosophy of rookie extensions, this comment resonates. The last thing you need is for a a player to mentally check out before the season even starts. And that's the situation they created by paying everybody else but him. And now they're going to deal with it. And I think it's a shame because it's a team that had playoff hopes. And I know you say, we'll we'll know by Tuesday. Maybe they'll get it done. Maybe they'll get it done, and this will be water under the bridge. But if they don't, I think that's crazy. I think it's absolutely crazy. Uh, all right, Kevin, moving on. A story that has come out tonight is that Zion Williamson uh, did not travel to play in the last preseason game for the New Orleans Pelicans. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski, it, Seems like more than just, hey, we're getting him some rest before the season starts. Sounds like there's going to be some test run. And, you know, obviously we got our fingers crossed right before the season starts. Um, boy, I, I hope there's nothing bad wrong with him. Yeah, Woj, Woj reported a couple hours ago as of recording. It's six specific right now. Um, he said on ESPN that the Pelicans are being cautious with Zion's injury, and they hope to know more in the next 24 hours, but this isn't a typical preseason rest situation, so they're they're not making excuses here. There's an actual injury that they're looking at. Um, that's scary, man. It's scary, because with, with Zion Williamson, you think about, you know, at 6'6", 275 pounds, whatever he is, it's a heck of a lot of weight and load on... on on his legs, on his knees, um, as somebody who is so athletic and has so much power. Um, it's scary, man. He already had that injury in college with when his shoe exploded. Uh, and the fact that they're already checking this out now is a bit worrisome. And it, you know, it, it brought to mind, uh, my buddy, Brian Sutterer, he's a, he makes YouTube videos. Um, and he's a doctor as well. And he talks about sports injuries and, you know, in, injuries across sports, but especially in basketball. And, and he tweeted, I think it was last week, um, about Zion's walk, his gait. Uh, and, and Brian had mentioned how he has like an inward alignment with his knees, which is something that historically, um, can have lead to a greater risk of ACL tear. Not that that's the case here, um, but it's just, it's just a bit scary. I mean, I think for Zion that any athletic player, you know, that that jumps into orbit the way Zion does when landing, it's scary sometimes. And I, I think that's really my only concern for his future in the NBA is durability. And so hopefully this is nothing. And yeah. um, hopefully it's, he's it's back. The, it's the landing uh, that you talk about because when you're dealing with any of these fast twitch guys that are so explosive. And that is the, you know, every time you see Russell Westbrook going flying down, right, and landing, and he has been exceptionally durable. The, la- the And obviously the one that comes to mind is Derrick Rose, right? Yeah. And That's having, to, one, yeah. Have, having to land. Uh, and so when you're talking about landing on 280 pounds, right? Like, I mean, you're always... It's, it's going to be hard to hold up. Um, but here's hoping that this is just something very minor because there would be, I mean, you want to talk about deflating with the season starting. Oh, I know. If if there had to be an extended amount of time that we don't get to see this kid, I mean, hell, they put him on national TV 30 times because of him. That would be yeah, yeah. awful. So that, let's that, just that cross our be. fingers and hope that it's, 
uh, we know it's more than a precaution, but here's hoping that it's something very minor. Hopefully by tomorrow morning, Friday morning, um, we get some good news. Hopefully we will get some good news by tomorrow morning. Uh, We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the GM survey that dropped this morning. Today's episode of the NBA show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. The moment we've all been waiting for is about to arrive. The official start of the NBA season. This offseason was filled with a lot of big changes and fresh starts. For the fresh starts in your life, talk to a State Farm agent. So when it comes to insurance, you don't have to go at it alone. There's going to be a bunch of fresh starts for this rookie class, and we're going to be talking about guys like Tyler Harrow and Carson Edwards and others. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you prepare for the big changes in your life. State Farm. All right, Kevin. So the GM survey dropped this morning, and the GMs, uh, 46% of them picked the Los Angeles Clippers to win the NBA Finals. I guess I was a bit surprised that the Bucks got the second most amount of votes at 36%. Um, the Lakers were the team that followed them at 11%. And then this was interesting to me. Um, and we're not going to go through every question they were asked, but I did want to touch on who they think would win the NBA Finals. So they had Clippers, then they had the Bucks, then they had the Los Angeles Lakers. The also receiving votes were the Warriors and the Blazers. How about that? As teams, right? I mean, like, and this is this is the 30 uh, GMs around the league that responded to 50 different questions. Uh, John Schumann does an unbelievable job with this on NBA.com every year. And so on that survey, but I was just a little surprised that those, I, I, I certainly expected the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Lakers to be mentioned. Um, the Warriors and the Blazers being the other teams that GMs mentioned was, I, I don't know, just a little surprising to me. You know, I'm most surprised, though, by the 11% for the Lakers. We don't know how many GMs actually voted. He said it wasn't 30. Um, right. But if it were 30, that would mean only three voted for the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis to win the championship. That's a bit surprising to me. I know. Um, and the I, other I, thing I, I feel, is, I feel like they're just been they've just been overall underrated. We we've hit on this a bit before, and we will again when we do like a season preview thing next week. But um, yeah, I I feel like they've overall been underrated with AD and LeBron and their their supporting cast. Here's the other thing that stands out, Kev: only one Eastern Conference team men even and, mentioned, and, and it wasn't the Philadelphia 76ers. right? Who, only who one. I would pick. Only one got a vo- uh, uh, got votes. And that was the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody else was a Western Conference team. And I think that speaks to uh, what this season is going to look like in the Western Conference. You want to talk about a war. I mean, for those eight playoff spots and the seedings that go along with them, this is, uh, it's not going to be easy to have, I mean, some kind of a like a 60-58 win season. It's just not going to be easy. There's too many good teams. Uh, in the Western Conference. I, I'd imagine it will be rather bunched up. All right, so I said we're not going to go through all of the different answers, but let me just ask you, um, were there any that particularly stood out to you that the GMs answered and you were surprised by their answer? Uh, <laughs> yeah, one in particular, the fact that Brad Stevens was voted as the best coach last year, but he didn't get a single vote. 
from this one. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I really don't understand. Uh, it, it's pretty weird how how quickly um, perception of him changed in the eyes of general managers. How about the best small forward being voted Kawhi by a very healthy margin, and LeBron James being second? LeBron got some votes votes at point guard, though I noticed. And he also got some votes at power forward. Yeah, so maybe uh, they should have delineated on this. Maybe we should just stop using positions. I think that might be fair. Maybe or just switch to guards, wings, and bigs. Center was a very interesting one, though. I was surprised that Jokic had so many more percentage of the votes than Joel Embiid. I thought that would be more. How about more than Anthony Davis? Yeah, and and Davis. I thought that would be more split, but Davis obviously got a lot of votes. He was ranked as the second best power forward. So, but those two guys are centers. Like when you think of centers, I would say right now, young centers in the league, the debate would be Jokic and Embiid. And I would have guessed that that would have been a closer vote between Jokic and Embiid amongst NBA general managers. Which one would you rather have? Who's the better player, do you think? Embiid when he's at his top of his game because of his defensive ability. Right. Um, but, I mean, look, with AD not getting the most votes, it's partially because of durability concerns, and that that would be the concern there with Embiid. But if you're picking a guy totally healthy, 100%, you would take, take Embiid for that one game. I think so, too. And that's why I was a little bit surprised at the difference in percentage uh, between those particular team uh b- between those two players there wasn't really all, all that many surprisings in, in in the defenders and you know it's like it's generally the same guys right it, you're talking about Kawhi and Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green um and th- and that group and so the GMs feel just like the fans and everybody else you mentioned the Brad Stevens thing um he did get votes. He was second in making the best in-game adjustments. So at least they gave him that, right? He was ranked behind Rick Carlisle. But he I don't did understand. Get the how, how, how can you vote for the coach to be second in best in-game adjustments, which is a critical component of coaching? Um, yes. But he doesn't get a single vote for best coach, which, you know, like, it's just, inter- just very interesting. Uh, all right. The other one that shocked me, was that the GMs voted the Denver Nuggets as the most fun team to watch. I love I just didn't Jokic. expect that to be their answer. But I guess in fairness, a lot of the like really good teams, we don't know what they're going to be like to watch, you know what I mean? This year, like what's it going to be like to watch the Clippers and the Lakers and even Philly's going to look a lot different. Um we kind of know what the Bucks look like to watch. Um the Pelicans were ranked second on that. So you can't say that it's not like uh, you can't you can't say that they're not looking forward because they're obviously looking forward. Nobody was sitting there going, "God, that Pelicans team is fun to watch." Last year, like that wasn't fun to watch. So they're obviously looking forward, and yet they didn't look forward with some of the new teams with the new acquisitions. Nuggets were also voted best home court advantage, which that that stunned me too. Oh no, that doesn't stun me. That the air is that that's real. Just the thin air is okay. Real. Then with the air, I understand. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's the reason sure, they get that, that. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, true. And that's why Utah's second. Yep, yep, very fair. I mean, 
It's real. I'm thinking like, crowd. I'm thinking crowd noise and all that. No, uh, and yeah. especially when you travel there, like if you if you've got a back to back in Denver, just go ahead and chalk that up as a loss, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking in. more crowd noise, and you know that's where like Golden State comes to mind, Toronto, Boston, Portland. All oh, no, those these guys. Quotes to, these uh, guys have trouble breathing. Yeah, very fair. That makes sense. That's uh, yeah. That's the pr- that that's the problem. Uh, the other one. Uh, that stood out to me was breakout player, which was De'Aaron Fox. And I uh, I could totally see that. I also thought it was interesting for the second straight year, Jamal Murray got a lot of votes. <laughs> like, didn't, didn't Jamal Murray have a breakout last year? I thought he did, but these were the votes. De'Aaron Fox, and then you have Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jason Tatum. And then you have Brandon Ingram and Jamal Murray. There's a lot of good names on this, too, by the way, that I could see. But De'Aaron Fox got the most votes. And then he was followed by Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jason Tatum. And then Brandon Ingram and Jamal Murray. Now, of those, didn't you think Jamal Murray's breakout was last year? You can always break out again. It's, it's like Giannis. going to break out again? Know, yeah, Giannis, Giannis always in contention for most improved player. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, but I do you buy that the breakout player, like the one that flies onto the scene as possibly an elite player in the NBA, uh, is De'Aaron Fox? I do. The Kings need him to be. That's for sure. They, I, they, the Kings... I, I wrote about this, especially this weekend, now they pissed that, off Buddy Heald. Well, they, I wrote about this this week on the Ringer, where with Sacramento, I mean, as much as I, there's so much to love on their roster, they need to be better scoring in the half court, and so much of that is going to have to do with De'Aaron Fox continuing to extend his shooting range. He's better off the dribble last year, better in catch and shoot situations, but needs to be even better. Needs to continue getting better at drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line, and every bit is going to help that team be more and more efficient in the half court that they need that. If they're going to be a serious play, a uh, serious, have a serious chance of making the playoffs. So the NBA GMs, when they were asked who will win the 2019, 20 Kia MVP award said, Giannis Antetokounmpo, we are throwing that off of the board and we are going to make our own MVP cases with the help of Google assistant. Now we're going to take turns and talk for two minutes each about who we think will be the MVP for this upcoming season. Kevin, you're up first. It's like a high school debate style. I love it, Chris. Hey, Google, set a timer for two minutes. Okay, two minutes. Starting now. All right, Chris. Since Giannis Antetokounmpo is off the table here, my pick for MVP is Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors to win his third MVP in his career. And the reason why is there's there's a couple of reasons why here, Chris. For one, look at the last couple of years, the last three seasons without KD or Klay Thompson on the floor. Stephen Curry averaged 38 points on 27 shots per 75 possessions. Now let's compare that to James Harden of this past season when he put up just an absolutely historic offensive season. Harden had 37 points on 25 shots per 75 possessions that last season. Of course, James Harden didn't win MVP. And that is, you know, a bit of a concern here. But should it be? Should it be? I don't think so. And here's why. Because James Harden is not well-liked across the league by voters. 
He's just not. You and I have talked about this before, and we've debated about it back and forth. A lot of people just don't like the way James Harden plays. They don't like the way the Houston Rockets play. But you do know what voters do like. They love Stephen Curry. They love the way the Warriors play basketball. And that has to be factored into the equation if you're predicting an MVP. If you're placing a bet, you got to factor in who the voters are. And so for Steph, voters like him. He's going to put up numbers, going to have that opportunity. But also, he has the story this year. Because there's no KD, because there's no Klay Thompson, there's the story that Golden State is an underdog going into the season and that if they make the playoffs and if Steph is posting MVP numbers of 15, 16 level, he's going to get their votes. And Stephen Curry will be the one hoisting that third MVP trophy at some point during the season. All right, my turn. Uh, hey, Google, set a timer for two minutes. Okay, two minutes. Starting now. While that is a good pick with Steph Curry, Kevin, I am here to tell you that somehow, some way, everybody has forgotten who the best basketball player in the world was just a few months ago, and that is Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has now moved to a different place. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be happy. He's in Los Angeles where he wanted to be, even though he carried Toronto to a championship last year and played great throughout that season. But we just ended a playoff run that was absolutely out of this world. I get that he doesn't talk. I get that the only thing anybody knows about him is that he's got a goofy laugh. I guess they know two things, that he's got a goofy laugh and that he is an unbelievable basketball player. He just got done in a playoff run, a playoff run averaging 30 points a game, 49% from the field, 38% from three, and was overwhelmingly the best player that won an NBA championship. You know, everybody put together all of these lists going into the year, and it was the first time in a long time that LeBron James was not at the very top of those lists. And in fact, the guy that was at the top of those lists with either Giannis Antetokounmpo, who we left off the board in choosing this, or it was Kawhi Leonard, very deservingly. He is the best two-way player and who, as everybody, including the GM survey, said is going to win the NBA championship. So what do we know about the MVP and MVP voting? It is typically, unless there's some kind of an outlier, it's typically the best player on the best team. So if you're talking about the best player on the best team and everybody tells me the best team is going to be the Clippers, who's their best player? It's Kawhi Leonard. So if Giannis doesn't win it, it's Kawhi. All right, Kevin, you made your case. I made my case, and we will see how those play out, which probably means that Giannis is going to end up winning it in the end anyway. But I do want to ask you about uh, an article that you started, which is this is going to be what, like a three or four-parter? Four-parter, um, NBA tiers, a four-parter. NBA tiers uh, with your power rankings. Day one. Uh, is the is the one that's gone up since we uh, at the time of our recording, uh, the tankers, the rebuilders, and the disasters. And so you went through and you went through all the different teams. Uh, you started with thirty, which is Charlotte, um, and they were on press fast forward. Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards 
were on that list, as were the Cleveland Cavaliers. And say it ain't so, you put the bright future sons on press fast forward. <laughs> I mean. Well, I mean, it's they're in the West. How do you sleep at night? They're in the Western Conference. Wait, you're done? They're in the West. No, I'm not done with the bright Wait, future you're, sons. You're, you're, you're done with the bright future sons? I, I probably should have put them on the hopeful rebuilding section. I feel well, like well, you're well, done well, with well, the bright well, future sons. Why would, I, why would I be you're, done with the bright future sons? I still have Devin Booker. Press fast I still have forward on what? Press fast forward on all this losing? Yeah, sure. You oh, get, get one, oh, okay. one of the top player and then continue building upward. They still have a bright future. <laughs> Is it a 10-year rebuild? Yeah. It's a 10-year rebuild. Yeah, yeah, 10 okay. Year. I let me let me let me take uh, pick one bone. I think that the Cavs are rebuilding. Yeah, they are. All I know, the, all, but you, all those teams are. Yeah, I know, but like the next group gets the hopeful. You know what I'm saying? They get I mean, they I get mean, the hopeful I, rebuilding. I, yeah, I pretty much I don't want to read into the subtitle too much, but the, the point was really is like with the press fast forward, these are the teams that have like a 0% chance of making the postseason. And Memphis probably should be in that category too in that sense. But I'd love Jaron Jackson and John Morant and Brandon Clark too much to put them there. The, the bright future Grizzlies, Chris. We've been through this before. <laughs> right. But, but, you do and, you have- know, but it's with the other teams like Knicks, Hawks, Bulls, and that hopeful rebuilding section where they have a shot of actually making the postseason this year. They're just ranked a little bit higher. But the subtitles, you know, it, it's hard to group these teams together, but they're in a similar tier. Well, the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Bulls, the Grizzlies are not going to be a playoff team, all right? No. But these other teams, those other teams, but I do appreciate you putting them in that group. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, those other teams, the Eastern Conference teams, there's, there's very, I mean, look, once you get past a group of teams at the very top of the Eastern Conference um, and really past, I would assume, Philadelphia, the Bucks, the Celtics, are all going to be playoff teams. I would also assume the Pacers are for sure going to be a playoff team, right? I think the Raptors will be, but I mean, you've got a big group of teams and I think the Heat will be for that matter. I think the Heat will be. So, but, and the Magic made it last year and the Pistons made it last year, but of those teams, Washington won't. The Knicks will have a crack at it. The Bulls will have a crack at it. The Hawks, Cleveland, Charlotte. I mean, you know, there's going to be eight have to make it. I don't, uh, I don't know how good Brooklyn's going to be, but we'll see. But I mean, it's a lot harder, I think, to pencil in, you know, eight for sure's in the Eastern Conference. Whereas you you start penciling in the the Western Conference, and you say, okay, if if uh, if we knock out Oklahoma City from last year, but we put in the Lakers this year, that that takes up all the spots. And so you can get to like nine or 10 on, on theirs. Um, but that's harder in the Eastern conference. So there's nobody you could put in the Eastern conference that I wouldn't buy could feasibly make the playoffs outside of wizards and Charlotte. I mean, that's the thing with the league and the Cavs and the Cavs and the Cavs. That's the the thing with the league this year, Chris, and and why I think it's, it's going to be so interesting to watch this year because with that Bradley Beal trade, um, I'm sorry, with that Bradley Beal re-signing, 
that takes what was expected to be the best player off the trade market. And now you look around the league and it's like, maybe Kevin Love, I mean, but maybe not too. I mean, they seem committed to him and keeping, you know, having some veteran presence there uh, as they build with their young roster. So you look around the league, there may not be a lot of rumors for star players this year that we've gotten used to in recent years, which means these teams that are sort of on the fence, which is one of the things that I look at in the article going up on Friday morning, you know, a team like the Pistons or a team like the Raptors, where you could see them going either way with either adding a guy or with trading away players, same with Oklahoma City. There's not a lot out there for some of these teams to add. So to these teams that are sort of at a crossroads right now, do they decide to become a seller? Because they know, like, if they put a, their player out there that you can be the have the best player available on the trade market and, and try to get something really, really strong. That's what I'll be curious to see over the course of the season. But besides that, though, if no trades happen, this is going to be a year that's purely about basketball, where it is an open league. And you touched on it, Chris, that it's hard to slot in teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I would go further and say it's also hard in the Western Conference. You have the top-heavy favorites that you feel confident are going to be in there. But I think from the sixth seed through, you know, through the 10 or 11 spot, there's a case to be made for some of these young teams. I mean, whether it is Dallas, if KP and Luka just skyrocket this year, whether it's New Orleans, if Zion plays all 82 and he's awesome as he has been in preseason, or even Sacramento, if De'Aaron Fox makes a massive leap again, you can make a case for a lot of teams in both conferences. And then from there, who knows in the playoffs that the Lakers and Clippers and Bucks and Sixers are the favorites, but they're not overwhelming favorites like the Warriors were or the Miami Heat were with LeBron. This year is everybody feels like they actually have a shot of either making the postseason or even getting to the finals and maybe winning it. It is Kevin O'Connor's NBA Power Rankings and is a four-part series, so make sure you keep up with all four of those. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go through... Box score preseason standouts. It's the last time that we get to do this. Things that we have noticed from the preseason box scores as we head into the season, because by the next time we talk, we are going to be talking about regular season games. Yeah, we'll do that finally. on the other side. <laughs> Today's Ringer NBA show brought to you by Mountain Dew. This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game. As the preseason has come to a close, we have our eye on a few great players that we think will be the leader in threes this season. All right, Kevin, who do you think? Boban Marjanovic. (laughs) Come on, man. Take this seriously. Of course it's going to be Steph or James Harden, one of those two. Steph or James Harden? Well, we know it's not going to be Klay Thompson. He's usually up there, but he's going to have to miss too much of the season. How about my man Carson Edwards? Mm, Or or, or our guy Buddy Heald. Might be Buddy Heald if he's not too pissed off. (laughs) Show brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the do. All right, Kevin, so let's talk about these box score standouts from the preseason. I jotted down four. You've got four. We'll see if we overlap on these, but I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet we don't. Maybe once. Well, let's see. All right. The first one I've got, Tyler Hero. Holy mackerel, has this guy been good. Uh, 25 minutes a game, 16 points. 55% from the field, 53% from three, five assists, 
or I'm sorry, five rebounds, three assists a game. And he's a little bit farther down. I know that uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has been great for the Pelicans as a guy that was drafted past the lottery. Uh, Tyler Harrow, so far, in what we saw in Summer League and now what we saw in the preseason, looks like one of these rookies that is going to have a big, immediate impact. And that's a super interesting team in the heat. But, like, I mean, we saw him in Summer League, and you can say Summer League doesn't matter, and you can say preseason doesn't matter. But at some point, this guy just friggin' make shots like crazy. And I think that amongst, you know, there's going to be the guys at the very top that obviously make a very big impact on their teams. But this looks like a guy that was drafted a little bit further down that could absolutely have a huge impact on his own team in his own right. So Tyler Harrow super stood out to me. Yeah, and it's not like he's just hitting some standstill shots. He's hitting shots right. off movement, off of screens. He's he's driving to the rim and creating for himself. I mean, I feel like a big dummy. I had him ranked too low in the draft. Even even if he doesn't continue to what he's doing right now, um, I had him too low. All right. What's your first one? First one. This is overall. This is not just one team. This is as of Thursday night. NBA teams across the league in preseason have attempted 40% of their shot attempts from three-point range this preseason. What? And, and, and that's notable. Um, because if you look historically, Chris, at preseason three-point rate and compare it to regular season three-point rate, there's an incredibly strong correlation with that rise year to year. So even if teams aren't shooting 40% of their shots from three during the regular season, maybe it's 38%, maybe it's 39%, maybe it's even 37%. The point is, is that once again, the three-point rate across the league is going to ascend upward. That's what we're going to see this year, and it's very possible, if it is consistent with the preseason, that it will be one of the largest leaps ever from year to year. As an example, though, Chris, Houston this preseason has attempted it. It's ludicrous. 60% of their shots <laughs> from three. Uh, what, what, one, of the, one of the more interesting teams is, is Washington. They're at about 43% on their shots being attempted from three, and they're they have the greatest difference from their regular season three-point rate last year to what we've seen this year. Minnesota being another team, they've had a significant rise. And that comes with having Gerson Rosas being hired as general manager. Ryan Saunders, rather than being an intern head coach, now is the the actual head coach. So they changed their system in Minnesota with a new front office like, like Washington with Tommy Shepard there now. So we're seeing these teams just shooting a heck of a lot more threes. Again, following Houston along, Houston is still far ahead of everybody else, but this does not seem to be stopping or even plateauing. We are going to, uh, we'll keep track of that as the season goes on and see if this number goes up dramatically again. My number two, and this can actually fall in line with what you were saying about Tyler Harrow. Okay, Kevin, I I write that article for the ringer on the players that will not fail. And I'm going to tell you that there was a player on my Uh, in the article that I ended up taking out of the article because I was talked out of it by NBA talent evaluators. And I will never forgive myself for this. And it was Carson Edwards (laughs) and watching him the other night go hits eight threes in scores, 26 points in the third quarter and goes eight of 11 (laughs) from three under nine minutes, under nine minutes. He goes eight of 11 from three. 
And I am watching this and I'm going, I, 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 I can't believe this. I can't believe it. Like I watched the friggin' NCAA tournament and the whole time I'm sitting there telling everybody, bro, if you don't think this translates, you're crazy. But this is why I got talked out of it. It wasn't the size thing that got me talked out of it. It was you got to be super careful where he gets drafted because if he goes somewhere to a coach that gets him and is like, he's got to run the team point guard and not just be this fire starter, then he's going like you, especially in the second round, you could end up not finding your place. And now he's just like an undersized guard who doesn't really run the team because so many teams want their backup point guard to just be the, you know, get us in our offense, run the team kind of guy that they trust. And you've got to just kind of let him have the ball and be what he is. And I'll be damned if he didn't end up with the perfect coach and the perfect team for that. And they're obviously letting him be him. I mean, for God's sakes, I don't care if you're even making them. Any rookie takes like 11 shots in nine minutes. They may never play again for most of these coaches. You know, half these rookies are so scared to shoot at all. But they've empowered this guy and you're getting that Purdue Carson Edwards. I saw it in summer league. I've seen it already in the preseason. And we know that Brad had immense success with a little guy that could get buckets once before. And I just, I, I'm never going to forgive myself. And you know, I do that, but then I talk to people that actually make the decisions and have say in the league. And I, you know, if my whole thing is these mock drafts are stupid and when we look back in the years, there are guys that are way underdrafted and that's my whole concept of doing it. And I just, I, I, I'm going to beat myself up over that one forever. This guy, this dude gets buckets, straight buckets. So what you're saying is the Grizzlies need to let go of Zach Kleiman and hire you as general manager. No, it is not. I I don't believe that (laughs) one bit. Um, And I would tell you that I didn't even talk to any of them. Are are you kidding me? You think they're going to talk to me about that crap? Are you kidding me? They they, they stay away from you. (laughs) Fortunately, we've had 10 front offices here. (laughs) So I got people all over the league now. I mean, that's the issue. They just haven't hired you. That's my point, Chris. Yeah, right. They haven't hired you. I've got, but well, if they would have listened to me, yeah. they'd have been a lot better off yeah. in the draft. I so promise if they, you that. If they would have listened to you, Marcus Soul and Mike Conley would still be on the team. No, we didn't. Have, yeah, I'm talking about be. the draft, Kevin. We didn't have a good draft pick for 10 years. I'm not kidding. From Mike Conley to Jaron Jackson. From Mike Conley to, that's 10 years. 10 years. Of no second contract draft picks. Marcus Sylvie rotting away in Memphis right now. We're loyal to our players. We're loyal. What? I don't trade players. That's what you would be saying. Marcus Saul <laughs> is an NBA and world champion now. Put <laughs> some know. respect on his name. I know. I'm just saying um, if you were GM in an alternate universe, Chris. All right, where did you have Carson Edwards in the draft? Because you're stupid as hell about this stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, below I, Tyler I, I, Hero d- uh, I don't really remember my ranking off the top of my head I, c- I can also look that up for God, you if you'd I like wanna, to I want to look that no yeah. no you know what you go ahead to your number three and I'm going to find out where yeah, Kevin please, O'Connor yeah. had Carson Edwards and then I can crap I'm, I'm, all over I'm looking, you I'm looking it up as, I'm, as I'm, I'm speaking here so my second I'm one at least, I'm at least admitting that I I regret that yeah. greatly already. I just admitted that I was wrong about Tyler Hero. Are we, are we comparing our faults here? 
Let's find out where uh, I had him ranked. I had him ranked thirty three. That's terrible. You had him right above from Terrence Davis, who's a football player. Terrence Davis is not bad. Anyway, anyway, my my second one, Markel Fultz, seven of twenty seven from mid range, zero of five from three. Oh boy, Ugh. he's still lost on offense. That's all. That's all. I have nothing else to oh, add. Oh no! I, you, just, I, I, you used you used one of these just to crap on Markel Fultz. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. <laughs> I'm not all right. else to add. That's all. All right. My third one is rough, and that's because of the news that we had to start the podcast with. I was going to highlight, wait for it, Zion Williamson, who, since we last spoke, uh, had 22 and 10 on Sunday. And in those three games, he had shot 29 of 36, 23 points, almost seven rebounds, 71% from the field and averaging 27 minutes a night. Like, Kevin, he had just exploded in this preseason. 29 for 36? What is that? So, I, um, uh, I had my, one of mine is Zion as well. Okay. This is, this is a, a hat tip to our producer, Bobby Wagner, who passed along this idea because he said, you know, everybody's talked about Zion's shooting percentage. He's shooting like 80% in preseason, but... That's largely because of his shot selection. 42 of 49 of his shot attempts have been inside five feet. Good. He's essentially playing like DeAndre Jordan. Good. Except he's I, not. Except he's not. He, he's what he, I want him His to shots do. are like DeAndre Jordan, but the way he's being, being utilized is not. Um, I mentioned in my article coming out Friday where, you know, Alvin Gentry is getting so damn creative. With Zion, so it's been fun to watch him running off, running off screens towards the rim. It feels like you were saying that as a demerit. No, not at all. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Like, not I, at like all. I have no. It, it, I, well, it's, I will it's tell just, you, it's just interesting that it, oh, okay. it, that is such a frequent rate. It is both a a testament to the coaching to get him there with the play calling, running him off screens to get him going downhill yep. towards the rim. It's also a testament to his ability to get to the rim from driving to the rimmer, but also. It is still one knock on him. The fact that he is a limited perimeter player, and that is an area that he needs well, to drastically improve. I will say this. If you can get me those kind of that kind of production, uh, shooting like that, then so be it. And if of all the knocks that I have had on DeAndre Jordan over the years, his shot selection is not one of them. <laughs> well, he knows his game. It's not like, yeah, right. He ain't doing something he shouldn't be doing. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess you could say, well, he should be able to hit mid-range shots. Like, I don't want him shooting mid-range shots. Go ahead and just dunk it every time you get it. Um, <laughs> and Zion Williams did 29 for 36 until he went out. Let's just pray he's not injured. Um, all right, my fourth one. And here is a guy that we have not mentioned on a show, um, which going through the box scores, and he has had a good preseason uh, so far, he's only been playing 18 minutes per game, but in those 18 minutes, he's been getting 11 points, 49% oh, from the field. We have the same guy, don't we? Is this Michael so Porter? It is not. Okay. Well, so my, so I have Michael Porter it, like written down okay. 16 minutes per game, 11 points, four rebounds. So when you oh, said 11 funny. points, I was like, what? Okay. All right. So th <laughs> this guy, this guy that I'm talking about, four assists, three rebounds, and a steal. He just turned 23 a uh, few weeks back. And when we last saw him, we thought that he was on his way to becoming possibly something special. Um, he had just made second team all defense. And then last year was a completely lost year. 
and that is DeJounte Murray for That's the Spurs. Um, we haven't talked about him. He's just been an afterthought, right? When you lose, he and October 7th, I believe it was, of last year, he blew out his ACL. And so he did not play. It's a totally lost season. But I think we freely admit after year number two, you know, he had wrangled that starting point guard slot away from Tony Parker, and then they moved on from Tony Parker. And it looked like, okay, Murray's really onto something. He's already an outstanding defender. I mean, in his second year in the league, he was named second team all defense. And we, the, this could be the big breakout for him. And instead of the breakout, it was the blown ACL. And so now he comes back and by all counts, totally healthy, has looked pretty good in the preseason. And so I'm super excited. You know, you hate for somebody, especially early in their career, to lose a whole season. But I would just tell you that a year ago, everybody was excited about DeJounte Murray's third season and becoming, you know, full-time starter and kind of just his his gig now uh, for San Antonio. And they get to add him back into that puzzle there with the Spurs alongside uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan in that backcourt. And I'm super excited to see him. And it was cool to see him do some stuff in this preseason. And so I wanted to give him a shout out because I noticed it. And he's just not a guy that we thought about a lot because we we didn't see him play at all last season. I hope Greg Popovich plays Murray with Derek White more in the regular season than in the preseason, which is zero. Do you have two of the best defensive players in your backcourt at once? It's very, very interesting that Pop hasn't played them together. Interesting. At least, through, right. at, at least through their first three games. Uh, the, four, the fourth one, I'm not sure about. Uh, well, and your fourth on this list then is a is another guy we haven't seen yeah, play. Yeah, Mike, for the Michael preseason. Porter Jr. I, I mean, I, I have no particular number besides his basic box score: eleven points, four rebounds, and sixteen re- minutes. Other than to say that I think he's looked pretty good. Um, I'm encouraged by his performance so far this preseason. I, he's clearly knocking off the rust on the defensive end of the floor. He looks sluggish on that end, and maybe he will continue to. But the but you don't have him for his defense. You have him for what he can bring you on the offensive end. And for Denver, he is a major, major X factor, not just for the Nuggets specifically, but in the whole big picture of the Western Conference playoff race and eventually for the finals. If Michael Porter can continue ascending upward over the course of the season, he provides them such a unique piece next to Nikola Jokic. You can run pick and roll with Jokic handling or or you can run it with Porter handling. You can use Porter off ball as a cutter. He looks very aware. I think they really have a player here, but it's like oh, yeah. we it's like we talked about with Zion though. Health. It's all about health. Oh, he is exactly he is that kind of a guy that when you see him, I saw his highlights from the other night. He is so good. He looks so good. I mean, he is a big guy, but he is great with the ball. Like, he's a good ball handler. Like, and like you were saying, like, you can have him with the ball in his hands. And he's also, you know, they, he, he caught one, you know, near the rim and he dunked it kind of like the, the Giannis plays where it doesn't even look like you're jumping all that high and you can just jam it down. And he's, he's a good shooter. I mean, you see, you know, it, it kind of reminds me, you know, the early, the early Jabari Parker where you'd watch him and you go, I see what people saw when they thought that guy could be a star and time will tell on Porter. But I, I could tell you that you could only watch a, a, a one minute highlight film of what he has done in the, in the game. And you, even in that 
moment you could say, God, a guy that big, that's that smooth, that can dribble, pass, and shoot. I mean, you see it, and you see how he was the best player in that high school class by almost unanimously. And it's just obviously gone wrong for him health-wise since then. But here's hoping he can put it all together because I, I agree with you. He looks like he could be a hell of a player. You know, speaking of injuries, I just opened up Twitter and, and saw Patrick Mahomes suffered a, a knee injury tonight uh, during yeah. Thursday night football for the Kansas City Chiefs. The, like it looked like his knee was popped back in while he was still on the field. No. That, that's that's awful. I I hate the fact that you know, uh, oh, so many. I mean, it, nobody's exempt from anything in life, good or bad. Um, but it just sucks when when these talented players deal with injuries um, early in their careers. It saps them of of their own potential, their own dreams, and us as consumers of the sport, um, of enjoying them um, in our own lives. So, I mean, I hope I hope Mahomes oh. is going to be okay. Hope Zion Zion's going to be okay, and Jeez. hope Michael Porter stays healthy, man. Got to see man. these guys on the court. Oh, the Mahomes thing would just be awful. Yeah, that, that, I mean, he's as, that he's as big a star as there is right now yeah, in the league. That breaks my heart. For sure. And that's, I mean, good grief. I mean, I know this isn't the NFL show, but move over, Mays and Clark. Here I come. Um, <laughs> there's only, like, I, I, yeah, I, you're coming I, for I, Zach Kleiman's gig for the Grizzlies. You're coming for Mays and Clark. You got to you uh, do it ma- all, Chris. Come on. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm taking over. Once you, like, if there were any sure things, you got the Patriots, like, probably the division winners with their Patriots, Ravens, Texans, and uh, Chiefs, and then try to figure out who are the playoff teams. And if they lose Mahomes, you're taking that one off the board. I mean, the AFC is a debacle. Seriously. Can I pull a Kevin Clark real quick? It doesn't matter because the Patriots are going to win it all anyway. Yeah, that might be so. <laughs> Steal a little line from Kevin. <laughs> I, think, I think he's probably right about that. That's one. Of, that's one of his salient points that he makes regularly. Uh, ultimately, with New England, the only question is going to be how long do they go? staying undefeated because that Kansas City game that they had on the schedule, I mean, we don't know Mahomes' injury, but right. 6-0 and right now, get the Jets, that's a win. Get the Browns and Baker Mayfield, who is just horrific. I don't, you can't win with a quarterback. <laughs> like, let me, let me just say this the now. NFL you can't, you can't, look, you can't win with a quarterback like Baker Mayfield. I understand, you know, the appeal of him. I understand, yeah, now. he's an exciting Hold player, on. but with Give Baker Mayfield, look, the quarterback, ne- the quarterback needs to be a leadership position. And Baker has shown nothing but immaturity throughout his career, man. Oh my goodness! Look at the NFL. It's really, it's really a joke. I mean, when you're taking shots at other NFL <laughs> quarterbacks before they take an actual snap, that's pathetic. It's pathetic. <laughs> He's Kevin a loser. Cowherd over here. What did yeah. I did I fall asleep and wake Kevin up in some O'Coward. dream where I'm producing Mason Clark? <laughs> he called him Kevin O'Coward. <laughs> I mean, oh, Col- Colin, Collins Collins got a lot of a lot of iffy takes, but his take on Baker Mayfield is oh just just so perfect, man. That is he his corner, it. though, Kevin O'Coward. You can't have that. I'm 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 in the back seat, man. I'm enjoying hearing him speak about Mayfield because he's right. And, and the Browns and the Browns are never going to win anything as long as Baker Mayfield's their quarterback. Damn, damn, damn! I didn't expect that. Oh my gosh! All right, Kevin, have a wonderful weekend. The next time we speak, the NBA regular season will be upon us. I look forward to it, Chris. This is going to be a long weekend until Tuesday because that day, boy, I'm fired up for it, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I love you, Baker, even if Kevin doesn't. It's going to do it for another Rigger NBA show. Thanks to everybody for listening. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps. And we will talk to you next week.